we want to be a part and we want to partner with you. Uh, will you go with the God with me in prayer? God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to be in this place and this space to share your unadulterated word. And I pray, Lord God, uh, that as we converse, God, and, and that iron will sharpen iron and that as the conversation is guided the way that you want it to be guided, uh, that you'll get all the glory and all the honor and the praise in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap. All right. I'm going to let them go. I'm, I've got what I call some fire starters. We're going to get the fire started, get some, some interjection going and, and some conversation going. So uh, to the media team in the back, sitting in that big, nice, beautiful media room. That thing is gigantic looking from here. That is perfect. We love that. Thank you so much, Austin. Thank you and team. Uh, if you could pull up that first screen uh, for the fire starters, is that first clip, the next one. Uh, right there. Uh, these are some fire starter questions. We're going to talk about the big idea of Romans in a second, but we oftentimes we'll just get into the questions and not talk about the overall arching theme of the chapter that we're talking about. So what's that first question? What does it say? Let's say it together. Do I own a gift after I have given it? Can somebody honestly answer me that? Do it. That, that seems like a, like a trick question, but, but it might be more simple than you think. Uh, somebody answer that. Anybody? No, you don't. You don't own a gift after you've given it. Okay. All right. So if not, then if you don't own it, what's the next one say? If not, who what owns it? The one you gave it to, right? The one that's receiving it. So if I give a gift, I no longer own it, but the person I gave it to owns the gift, right? So. If that be the case, what's that next third question? Let's read that together. What does it say? Who then decides how the gift is used? So if I give you a gift and that gift belongs to you, who determines how the gift is used? Um, the, the giver or the person it was given to? The, the, the person it's been given to uh, decides to do that. Uh, Brother Bob, uh, well, Brother Dave, Lamarck, I want you to come here real quick. If you could, I know this is unorthodox. We're going to do something to get you out of, out of that old realm. Uh, if you'll just stand on the stage real quick. They're going to be behind. And um, Lamarck, this is your gift. This is a gift for a second, Brother Bob. Now, this is your gift. And uh, we're going to let Brother Dave represent somebody today. Uh, I want you to give your gift to uh, Brother Dave right there. Why don't you give Brother Dave that gift? <laughs> Thank you. That's a pretty good gift, isn't it, Brother Dave? Can you open it up uh, and tell us what's inside? Uh, it, now, by our own confession, right, it belongs to Brother Dave, right? It, doesn't, it no longer belongs to Mark, so no matter what he does with it, if he makes a doorstop with it, it's his to do with it. Why? Because who doesn't own it anymore? Mark doesn't own it anymore. Now, open up the box and read what's inside. Read what's inside there. What does it say? My life. He just handed Dave his life. Dave represents God tonight. And that's what Romans is all about. And this is what this part of Romans is about is we're going to read this. Pull up Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1. Romans 12 and uh, 1. I want you to read that with this in mind. Now let's read what it says. It says what? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God that you what? Present. Now, what does that word sound like? And I, 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 doesn't it sound like present? 
You know why it is present? Because what do you do with the present? You what? You present it. The actual word in the Greek means to give or to turn over, that you present your what? Bodies. To who? As a living what? Sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto who? God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Now pull that screen back up again. Pull that screen back up again for me. You can let the people online see that. I want you to put, uh, see that, pull those questions up. Now, do, now I want you to change this to life instead of gift. And read that again. What does it say? Do I own my life? Let's read it together. What? Do I own my life after I have given it? What's the answer to that? You don't own your life after you've given it to God because you've given it. And now who owns it? And if God owns it, who, and let's read that last one. Who then decides how the gift is used? God. Mm. Guys, you can be seated. Give him a hand. I want us to think about that for a second. Because as we go into our Christian journey, oftentimes when we get into Bible practice, we think, Lord, I'm doing you a favor by giving you my what? Life. And you can hold it for a second, but when you get to the areas I don't want to give you, I take them what? Back. I, I give you my life, but you can't have my wallet. I give you my life, but you can't have my time. I come to church when I get ready. I, I give you my life, but I pray when it's convenient for me or when I'm in trouble or when I don't, I'm out and eating and I don't know who cooked the food. I pray then, God. Uh, isn't that what we do oftentimes? That we try to give God our lives when it's what? Convenient for us, but we try to captain our lives. So Romans chapter 12 has one big idea. It's one big overarching thing, and I want them to put that on the screen for us. Uh, put that next one on the screen for me, and we'll read this. And this is what you need to get out of Romans. What does it say? How to live out the will of God. If you added a prepositional phrase, it would be in my life. Everybody say, in my life. life. When you come to Christ, your life is no longer your own. It belongs to what? God. The Bible says that we are now hidden with Christ in what? God. So since we are hidden with Christ in God, that's what our Bible study has been telling us, even from last week, that the number one thing we need to be doing, what does it say that first thing on there? We're living for who? God. We're living for God. So if we're living for God, we have to present ourselves a living sacrifice. There's a difference between a living and a dead sacrifice. Uh, In other words, this sacrifice lives, it doesn't die. In other words, that while I'm living, my living should be sacrificial living. Everybody say sacrificial living. Everything I do is a present to God. Everything I do is an offering to who? God. So when I show up to church, it's an offering to what? God. When I'm speaking nice to my husband or my wife, it's an offering to who? God. When I'm kind to my neighbor, it's an offering to who? God. I'm a living what? Sacrifice. So every minute, every second of my life, from the rest of my life for eternity, belongs to who? So I should live my life as if I don't what? Own it. See, have you ever borrowed somebody else's car, and it was a real nice car, and you didn't have any insurance to pay for it? So when you drove that car, you were actually especially what? Careful. Why were you careful? Because you didn't what? Own it. And since you didn't own it, you didn't want to be responsible what? For it. So since we no longer own our lives, shouldn't we be extra especially careful for how we live our lives? Because they are not our what? Own. It's my time and I do what I want with it. No, it's not your time anymore. 
It's my life and I live it how I want. No, it's not your life anymore. It's my money and I give it when I get ready. No, it's not your money anymore. It all belongs to who? God. Because you gave him your what? Life. You gave him your life. So number one, he says there are three things. He says that the sacrifice is living. Everybody say living. living. Number two, he says that the sacrifice is holy. Everybody say holy. 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 Well, can anybody tell me what holy means? Set apart, sanctified. Both of those words mean the same thing. Y'all said it all at the same time. It means set apart, which means that it's not common anymore. Which means that I no longer look, act, or sound like everybody what else. Because if you have a special possession, what do you do? When you have China in the house you, and, and you just got your cousins coming over, you don't pull out the $1,000 China, do you? You probably will pull out a paper plate. You keep the other China put up where other people can't get it, except for special guests because they're for special occasions. And when you got something really valuable, you don't just give it to anybody. You set that to the what? So since you belong to God now, you just don't go everywhere you want to go. You don't just do everything you want to do. You just don't live any kind of way you want to live. Your life is now set to the what? Side. Because you are his valuable possession. And so we live our lives as a way that we no longer have what? Ownership of them. So not only does he ask for three things for this sacrifice. He asks for it to be living. Everybody say living. I live out my day. The number two thing he does, he says that it's holy or set apart. And then the number three thing is it's what? Acceptable. <laughs> it's not going to be acceptable unless it's given the right way. Nobody wants a gift that somebody gives to you any old kind of way, but you want a gift that's given with a cheerful what? Heart. That's why the Bible says, let each man give his purpose and his what? Heart to give, not grudgingly, for God loves a cheerful what? Giver. So when you're giving God your life, you don't look for a cookie when you're giving it to him. You don't say, oh, man, I tithed $1,500 or $1,000 a day. Uh, Lord, that, God ought to be glad I did something for him. No, you do it with a cheerful heart and say, I'm glad that I get the opportunity to do this for you. It's not that I get to go. It's not that I have to go to church. I get to go to church. When we realize and give up ownership of our lives, how we look at Christian service looks completely what? Different. When we look at it from the right perspective. So we're about to get into the questions that we need to be living sacrifices. They need to be holy, set apart, and they need to be acceptable. Can somebody tell me from in your own words, what does it mean, Brother Dave, to belong to God? <laughs> give him a mic. If you can, what does it mean to belong to God? He has ownership. He has ownership. So give me a practical example of that. Uh, living out everyday life. How, how would you live out everyday life if God owns own you? So if I do something to make you mad, would you cuss me out and yell at me and hit me? I, I might want to. <laughs> but but the, the, the Holy Spirit will be throwing up red flags left and right and, uh, and, and put me in check. Yeah. And, and so even though that uh, if I didn't belong to God, I might do something different. Mm -hmm. But because I belong to God, 
know that he wants me to act in those situations. Because you belong. Even if they deserve it. That's it. Because you belong to somebody else. You no longer belong to yourself. You belong to who? God. Which means that you respond how he wants you to respond. I can't tell Brother Dave's children how to act, but I can tell mine all day long because they belong to what? Me. They belong to me. They're under my purview. Uh, they're under my leadership and my tutelage. So let's get into the questions. Um, going into the questions. That clock is beautiful. Thank you. Uh, we're going into the questions. We stopped around question 12. So uh, we're going to read Romans 12 and 3 because that's what it's talking about, a balanced self-view. Uh, we, since we know we belong to God, the number one thing is that we live for God. And then number two was talking about some important choices. Uh, so we're going into a balanced self-view. That's kind of where we where we stopped off. So let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. What does it say? For by, let's read it together. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think so, with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So he didn't say you don't think about yourself at all, but he says when you think about yourself, you need to think with what kind of judgment? Sober judgment. You need to be realistic. And, and in our stories, we're always the hero and we're never the villain. And, but in, the, in real life, a lot of times we are the villain. <laughs> and, and we have to look at ourselves with, with sober judgment of certain things. We have to look, what did he say? More highly in himself than he ought to think, but to think with what? Sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has designed. So the question number 12 says this, when we have too high an opinion of, let's read it together if you have the book, what does it say? When we have too high an opinion of ourselves, what damage do we do? Number one, to ourselves. So somebody let me know, what damage do we do to ourselves when we, when we get too high of opinion? Pastor Ernie? We deceive ourselves. We, we deceive ourselves. So how, how is that harmful to us? Mm-hmm. We deceive ourselves. For instance, there are some people right now um, that will tell somebody, I can't get a promotion on my job. I can't get a promotion on my job. Why? Because of the color of my skin or because this person don't like me or because this person did this or they buddy-buddy with that person, but they overlook the fact that they're sloppy at their job. They overlook the fact that they're late. They overlook the fact that they have poor grammar and they can't communicate with people well. It's always everybody else's fault except their what? on. <laughs> so if, when we do that, we deceive ourselves. And if everybody else is always the problem and I never look inside, I never fix what's in me, which means I can never what? Grow. Which means by not looking at myself with honest lenses, I'm hurting my what? Self. Can you tell me an example of how people do that today? How do people hurt themselves that way nowadays? Go ahead. Grab another mic. Uh, somebody can you grab another mic for, for, for them so they can have a have an extra one, but go ahead. A lot of people have a lack of accountability. A lack of accountability. Uh, what do you mean by that? Refusing to see where they were wrong or where they may have contributed to the problem altogether. It's never, you know, for example, my children have been arguing the last this week and it's been driving me up the wall. But it's not been I'm arguing, it's not, it's not uh, Jason is wrong because he chose to argue with Joey. It's Jason Bring the red one too, Mark, Joey if you don't mind. Joey chose to argue with Jason, so mm -hmm. Joey's the only one wrong. 
or Jason said something to Joey that Joey didn't like. Just so Jason is the only one wrong. Mm-hmm. It lacks all accountability. And mm-hmm. as much as it is frustrating to see that within my children and trying to parent that out of them because they don't want to listen, there's a lot of adults that behave that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll say something nasty to somebody and somebody gets upset and they're like, hey, why are you looking at me like that? Why are you scowling? Why did you curse at me? Why mm-hmm. did you tell me you don't want anything to do with me? I'm mm-hmm. just saying, okay, you're saying, but you're rude. That's it. And you don't have accountability. Very good. So could it be fair to say that many marriages break up because we have too high of an opinion of ourselves? Because we can't say three simple words. What were those three words, married people? I was what? I was wrong. I was wrong. (laughs) We dig in. We don't want to say I was what? Wrong. Of course, I'm never the problem. Of course, it's just because your attitude is bad. Of course, it's because you didn't clean up, but it's because I was wrong. And not only do we see that, don't we see that in church culture today? I didn't give them the scripture, but I want you all uh, in the back media team. Will you pull up 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3? Apologize for the audible, but the Holy Spirit gave that to me. I think it's relevant to today's culture of how we hurt ourselves. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. Um, if they can get that pulled up and while we're doing that. So that's the way we hurt ourselves. So what does this say? Can you does this does this seem like church today? Let's read what it says. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions. Because they say they belong to Jesus, but they really belong to themselves. So they go to pastors that are always talking about their enemies at work and their enemies at this. And this person's always here and you always the victim and you never the problem. And they, they, they heap unto those teachers that tell them you're going to get a million dollars. Your next Boaz is on the way uh, and things like that. They say, here come Boaz. But they don't say, but you can't cook. You can't clean. You haven't gotten counseling. You're not emotionally healthy or stable enough for a relationship now. They don't go to those pastors. You know what they do? They say, oh, he, he, he hating. I'm going somewhere where I can get fed and they feed my spirit. He's too what? Negative. Don't we do that today? So isn't that a way? Am I lying? So those types of churches that preach prosperity gospel, those type of churches that preach to people what they want to hear and preach about how they can improve their lives instead of offering their lives, those churches fill up pretty quick, don't they? That's why the way the Bible says broad is the way that leads to what? Destruction. And many there be that find it because we look. See, Paul wrote that 2,000 years ago. <laughs> it's still relevant. Humans don't change. We want to think more of ourselves than we really what? Are. So, number one, we said when we have too high an opinion of ourselves, uh, of ourselves, what damage do we do? We just talked about the damage we do to ourselves because we won't sit in good churches that'll tell us the truth. We won't surround ourselves with good friends that'll tell us the truth. And we realize why our relationships are messing up, why our relationships are messing up. Because nobody will tell us it's not everybody else, it's you. Your attitude bad. That's why you can't get along with nobody. Everybody ain't trying to destroy you. you it, we don't want people like that around us, but those are the people we what? Need. So what? Uh, how can that hurt our witness for Jesus? Somebody tell me how that hurts our witness for Jesus while they pull up 1 John 1 and 10. Go ahead, Liz. When we behave like that, we make God look untrustworthy because he's called us to be his children and to be his witness here on earth. We're supposed to be spreading his good news. We're supposed to be acting in a way that brings honor and glory to him. And if we're walking around acting selfish and nasty and self-seeking and self-serving, then 
I just make God look that way, and why would anybody want to give their life to that? Exactly. That's like asking a person to enter an abusive relationship and telling them that it's great. Yeah. Well, they don't want that. We hurt our witness for Jesus. So that's what it looks like. How would you feel if, if, if somebody gave you a gift and then came and said, you mind if I had that back? <laughs> but he said, present your what? Bodies to Christ. Present your whole life to Christ. And what do we do every Sunday a lot of time when we leave? We said, that's a good word. He said, I need to deal with my anger. But my wife said something to make me mad. Lord, you mind if I had that back? You know, he said to be a good steward over my finances, and I could be a, a generous giver, not just to the church, but all out. But uh, they got a sound. It's Prime Day at Amazon. Lord, you mind if I, if I had that back? Ooh. He said I should be a good steward over my body and, and, and try to do a little bit better with my body, but, but everybody going out to eat after service, and I just looked on this thing, and this menu is bumping. It's going all the way over. Lord, you mind if I had that back for a minute? So how good are we at really presenting our bodies to Christ? How many of us can be honest and say at least once or twice in our life we said through our actions, Lord, you mind if I, I had it back? Because <laughs> I want to do what I want to what? I want to live how I want to. I know it's not good for me to watch, but I'm grown and all things are lawful, so I just watch what I want to watch, even though it's going to build up lust in my heart. I, I'm, a, I'm not going to go to hell for it, so I just watch it. Even though it's going to make build up anger, I just watch it. Even though all the they do on the news is slander people, there's no more news. It's just slander and the one-sided opinion, no matter what side of the aisle you live on. But I'm going to expose myself to all that stuff and then wonder why I'm angry all the time. <laughs> Is this, is this relevant to anybody? Go ahead. I just, uh, a, a lot of times, I don't know how it is with everybody else, but with me, a lot of times I can treat a rank stranger better than those around me. Yeah, that's everybody about the day. And, uh, you know, it's like when you're doing some type of customer service or something, you're smiling, and mm -hmm. even though you're maybe cringing, smiling, Short fuse. You know, it's like just blow off uh, the tops and uh, everybody around you, you know, gets the uh, anger that you wanted to give to the people, mm -hmm. you know, the rank stranger. That's it. Yeah. You know, and uh, a lot of times they don't know what's going on inside you. They got their own. Mm -hmm. They got their own little basket of things that they got to deal with. You know. Ooh, that's that's it. That's a great idea. I wonder how many counseling bills could be avoided in the future if we spoke to our kids like we speak to our bosses. They talk to you any kind of way, and you bite your tongue. Your kid drop one thing, and all sorts of compound cuss words come out your mouth. Wow, because when we're at work, we ain't really giving our life to God. We're giving it to the boss man, and when we get home, we say, the kids start fighting. What we say, you mind if I had that back? <laughs> Go ahead. 
problem that I have usually when it comes to like, you know, like when you were saying like, can I have that back? Is like I'm pretty I'm pretty chill with people for the most part. Like I've taken mm -hmm. my children, I'm very patient with them. I'm patient up to the point of disrespect. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that I have to work on because mm -hmm. that's when I look at God and say, can I have that back? <laughs> because I spent so much, and it, it's not an excuse, mm -hmm. but I know where it stems from. I spent so much time when I was younger being, mm -hmm. uh, I was one of those kids when I was little where, you know, I had a few friends, but not like a ton of friends when I was really little. Mm -hmm. and I used to get bullied mercilessly and picked on and hit for no reason and things like that. And mm -hmm. I got to a point where I was tired of it, so then I just started fighting everything back. And That's it became a coping mechanism for me for the trauma. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm an adult, I'm trying to learn how to balance that because I've spent so much time swallowing disrespect that now I don't know how to, di you know, handle receiving blatant disrespect, especially, like, I mean, like, the most disrespectful kind of disrespect without getting hmm. out of pocket myself because I get angry and I start cursing. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We do not have a high priest that cannot understand our weaknesses, that he was all in all points tempted as we are, but yet without sin. Christ gave us an example. How does he know uh, what it feels like to be you, Liz? Isaiah says he was despised and rejected, mm -hmm. full of sorrows and acquainted with grief. If, you, if you've been depressed, Jesus knows what that feels like. If you've been rejected, he knows what that feels like. If you've been ostracized, he knows what that feels like. Jesus is the best leader in the world because one of the number one rules of leadership is don't ask anybody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. He's not asking you to forgive your neighbor because he hadn't done it. He's asking you to forgive your neighbor because they stripped him butt naked, beat him half to death, and spit on him. And then hung him up, start butt naked, in front of his own mama. And somehow he found the strength to say, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So if he's able to do that, how dare he lay down his life? What if he'd have picked his life back up? Where would we be? What if he said, I had enough of this, I'm coming off of this cross, and off with all of y'all head? Where would we be? That's why we skipped over some, thank you, Holy Ghost, and I'm coming from Romans 12, 1. He said, therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy, because of what he's done for us. He's already showed us the way. That's why we do it. When we do it, we don't do it, look at it like we're doing God a favor. We do it because he's already done it. Prove it, Pastor, in the Bible. I sure will. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. He did it first. He was ridiculed and spit on and made fun of. He was talked about by his family, and they thought, thought he was crazy. He was the one that was out doing the will of God, and, and they thought he was cuckoo. And they said, Jesus, your mother and your brother's out here. They want to see you. You come to them. They ain't coming to you. In other words, get him out of there. He's crazy. And he says, who is my mother, my brother, and my father, my, my brother, but he that does the will of my father? He's faced all that stuff. So what, the reason most people have a problem with giving their life and picking it back up is because they seem to have amnesia when they realize what Christ did for them. He's not asking you to do anything that he has not already done himself. Wow. 
Thank you, Holy Ghost. I miss teaching. Let's go. Chapter 1, 1 John 1 and 10. 1 John 1 and 10, what does it say? If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. When we act like we holier than thou and we don't have any issues or problems, when we try to put up false fronts, we make God out to be a liar because we make ourselves the God. When we act like we don't have a problem, don't we make ourselves a God? So how else can we hurt us? How, how does that hurt our witness for Jesus when we, when we act like we don't have sin and we, we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to? Go ahead, Brother Dave. The world's worst critique of the church is hypocrisy. Mm hmm. Yeah, they spoke in tongues, but they treated, treated the pastor like dirt. <laughs> or they spoke in tongues, but they couldn't get along with their neighbors. Or they were always fighting in the church over who, who controlled money and this and all that stuff, but yet they acted like they were perfect when people could obviously see they were not. Go ahead. I think so, too, that comes back to like what I've said before, where I've said that people just need to be more honest about who they are mm -hmm. when they're in church. Yeah. Like, why are you pretending? If you have a problem with anger, why are you going to pretend like you never get angry? I literally just admitted people disrespect me, and I'm ready to cuss them out. Like, mm -hmm. I do half the time. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that's a good thing that I do that, but it's, it's something I struggle with, and it's a sin for me. It's but I'm honest with people about the fact that I have that struggle, and it doesn't matter if they're looking up to me, like, as somebody who could lead them on something, or if there's somebody that I'm looking up to. If we're not honest with ourselves, how can Jesus help us change it? Mm -hmm. We have to admit that it's a problem, and we have to own it openly in order for him to change it openly. Hallelujah. That's it. I was speaking to one of my spiritual sons who called me. He was about to do a Bible study, and, and um, I talked to him sometimes, and, and he was talking to me about some stuff, and I said, let me be honest with you. If you knew who I really was, you wouldn't follow me. Now, that seems crazy for a pastor to say, but if all pastors said that, that would be the most honest and refreshing thing in the world because pastors are humans. They get angry. The same emotions and sin you deal with is the same emotions and sins they deal with. The only thing is we put them up on a pedestal like they're Superman. And then when they have an issue, we're so hurt, but not realizing that they give us false hope. They give us this hope that we could be like that, too, when we're projecting the image that's not real. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But then he turned around and said, but I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the worst one, is what he said. <laughs> People will follow a gospel message if we say, hey, Christ is perfect, but we're not. But we're striving to. If you want to strive with us, let's go. That's a much more effective gospel message, isn't it? Not focusing on our perfection because it doesn't exist. Focusing on his perfection. It's more real. So then, oh, go ahead, Brother Bob, before I get to the next question. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Give Brother Bob a mic. Jesus Christ, and he spoke out. Jesus, you know, came out nice and clear. 
said, you know, you are the light of the world. Mm-hmm. That's it. If we're the light of the world, you don't light a candle, he said, and put it under a bushel. Mm-hmm. You, you, so uh, what good is our testimony if, it, if it's under a bushel? That's it. And as a church, mm-hmm. he says, you, you know, a city that is set on a hill, it's trying to hide. Everybody looks at it. Mm-hmm. And people walk out. So but go ahead. The attitude all of a sudden just. It makes sense. <laughs> it, it makes sense. And it, uh, you know, it popped in my head right now. And I said, well, praise God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. How many churches have been emptied of people because they looked at perfect people and said, I can never live like that. I'm trying my best, but I can't live up to it. Not realizing that they couldn't either. They were just better actors. <laughs> That's all. For all have what? Sin and come short of the glory of God. We all have faults. That's what makes the mercy of God so great. You don't appreciate the mercy of God until you look to your fallen humanity. So number 13, question 13 says, how then, or how, I put the then then there, I'm preaching on it. How then should we evaluate ourselves? How should we evaluate ourselves then? When we're looking at ourselves, what type of view should we have? Go ahead, Pastor Ernie. Very good. According to scripture. Sister War, how should we evaluate ourselves? When we're looking at ourselves and, and thinking about who we are, how should we how should we assess ourselves? That's it. Notice I asked the same question. They said the exact same thing. We line it up against what Jesus is saying. One of the problems we have in Christendom is we keep trying to line up our life against the pastor and against the deacons. You know why a lot of people flock to pastors who do wrong all the time? Because they can't say nothing to them. They say, if they good, I can do it. I'm human. Line your life up against this. That's what evaluates whether or not you're lining up is if you line up with this. It don't matter what I say. It don't matter how much you try to tell me and get the pastor to love you. I do love you, but I'm just be noticing those who are watching online. I'm not fooled by you. <laughs> I know you cuss when I leave. <laughs> I know some of, some of my members laughing right now. Not all of them are, are some of y'all in here don't cuss. But I know you gossip. I know you lie. I know you look down your nose at certain people because their sins are visible and yours aren't. I know those things. So I'm not fooled by anybody in this room. Everybody in this room has something. And if you don't, I can tell you you're a liar, and that's what you have. That's your problem right there. <laughs> we all have something. So now when you think of that, I'm imperfect. Now Paul says, I beg you by the mercies of God, since he knows that you're like that and he died for you anyway. For God commendeth or showed his love for us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Now, why wouldn't we want to give him our life and let him keep it? Present it as a living sacrifice. Set me apart. If you're going to do all that for me, I'm yours. If you're going to pull me up out of the muck and the marrow and the clay, I'm yours. 
There's a lady sitting back there in the media room. She stuck with me through thick and thin. You know why? Because she doesn't even know what a bill looks like. Because our entire time, no matter how much we had, how much or little we had, she knew one thing. If I go spend more than I need to, Willie got me. <laughs> if I mess up, Willie got me. If I make him mad and he had to go outside and I can't understand the words that come out of his mouth through the window, but I know they ain't good words. But when he come back in, Willie got me. And she, even though I'm, no, I'm not perfect and she's not always pleased with me, she's loyal to me because she knows no matter what, I have her back and she has mine. That's how we should be towards God. No matter what, he's got your back. No matter what you've done, he's still got your back. He died for you. So when we do that, what's he asking for? He's asking us to be sober and have a balanced self-view of ourselves, not to be arrogant or puffed up, not to be too negative or condescending on yourself or beat yourself up because you're still his, and he don't want you beating on his kids, even if you're the child that you're beating on. Don't beat yourself up. Just be honest with yourself. You're not all horrible, and you're not all good. So don't act like you're the worst thing in the world and have, throw yourself a pity party. Nobody likes to attend pity party, but at the same time, don't act like you don't have no problems. Don't act like you're perfect. Just keep a balanced view of yourself. Be stable. The Bible says in a, a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways, and that man can what? Receive nothing from God. God is looking for stability. He's not looking for how high we jump. He's not looking for how loud we are. He's looking for how consistent and stable we are. Is this helping anybody? So the next thing he's doing, everybody say unity in the body. Chapter 12, verse 4 through 5. Brother Bob, go ahead. Go ahead, give him the mic, though, so that they can hear him. They'll get it. The, uh, I like the way I answered this question while I was studying it. Mm -hmm. Christian life requires frequent self-examination yes. to ensure we are overcoming sin and growing in grace and obedient to the Holy Ghost in our service for our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. I've, I've had this conversation with uh, Brother Dave many times. I know how to fill a church. I could fill this church a lot faster, even though it's starting to fill up, and feel not filling up as fast, but can fill up a lot faster. All you got to do is tell people what they want to hear. But it's uncomfortable, but I got to answer to God, so I do what the Bible says. Every week I'm asking you to do something nobody wants to do. You know what the Bible says? Examine yourself. You can't get better until you examine yourself. Well, he always on us examining us because I'm always examining myself because I got a whole lot to examine. <laughs> I got a lot of issues that need to be fixed. That's why, I, why this, this cross is, is here in my hand, this prayer cross, a lot of time because I have to go to the altar because I have insecurities. I have all sorts of things that I deal with. You're not by yourself. We're all in this to what? Gather. And since we're all on the same plane, thank you, Holy Ghost, let's talk about unity. 
<laughs> Pull up Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. This is what he's asking for us. We may not get finished all again tonight, but the Holy Spirit's been convicting me. We're not. We're going to finish this when we finish it. If it takes three lessons to get through one lesson, that's quite all right. Y'all mind? No. We want to go through it. 12, verses 4 through 5, what does it say? For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one. Hmm. Wow. We're all in this together. We're all in the same boat. I highlighted some things, and I, I want us to get this. I, I wrote this down, so I don't want to lose it. This was written in your book. It says this. Transformation of the mind is the foundation for change. If you want to change your world, change your what? mind. It says unwillingness to allow the spirit to change our thinking is a lurking foe to faith. It is necessary to yield to God before we can truly have the mind of Christ. That's why we're not changing. It's not because you're not getting fed. Like I said, the next time somebody say I'm leaving the church and I'm coming to your church because I'm not getting fed, I'm going to say, let me see your notes for the last six months. When the last time you wrote down something your pastor said and studied it outside of the service? Maybe that's why your life's not changing. Because your thinking's not changing because you're not submitted to God's will and to his way. It says our whole worldview must change. Any quote unquote change that happens in Christians' lives apart from a fundamental reorientation of the way we think is only a veneer of limited duration. In other words, any change we think we're going to have and we don't submit to Christ, we're wasting our time. Change only comes from the submitted life. Or else you're going to pick it back up. <laughs> Now we go into Christian common sense. It says he begins his discussion of the Christian life on a corporate rather than an individual note. As Christians, we must first understand who we are within the body. If we know who we are, we know how we interact with others in the body. And so as we go to Romans 12, 4 through 5, I want you to see, and this is the question, question 14, what comparison does Paul make in verses 4 through 5? What does he compare? Anybody can answer? What does he compare parent in verses 4 through 5? Anatomy. He's comparing anatomy. It's a biology class. Is, is he, he's using something simple, low-hanging fruit that people can get, right? So he's comparing us to the human what? Body. I don't care how much uh, invaluable, I got to be careful which one to use. Uh, how invaluable which one of these fingers you think it is, I guarantee you, no matter one through five, I guarantee you, you wouldn't cut one of them off. So why is it in the body of Christ we think some people are more important than others? Why is it that we pray for the pastor and watch other people cry every Sunday and we walk by them and say, it's not my business? Why do we treat some people differently than others? Go ahead, Liz.
because still the same as you. Um, people forget that, and they're looking to this person as an authority on things, and while this person might have more information than them when it comes to certain things, it doesn't mean that they are without fault. They, they're not God. Mm -hmm. They don't deserve to be held up like that. If you're also doing somebody a disservice, you know, mm -hmm. if you hold, you know, like you were saying, like a pastor, you know, if I was to hold you up on such a high pedestal within my mind, and then one day, I don't know, you have a short temper, you get a little snippy, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, that fall that you're taking from that pedestal is mm -hmm. going to hurt a lot more mm -hmm. than if I'd have put you on level ground with me and accepted the fact that you're human and you make mistakes too. Mm hmm that's very good. Let's read 1 Corinthians, because the question for next is based off of 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. Let's read what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. Is, that, is it up there? That's Leviticus. 1 Corinthians 12, um, 12 through 27. Thank you. It's, it's hard working back there. I've been back there before helping out. Uh, go to verse 12. Thank you for what you're doing. It's okay. They don't have it in there. Uh, let, we'll go to 13. We'll start at 13. Uh, there we go. No, that's not it. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. That's okay. It's hard back there, guys. It's, it's a lot of pressure on there, especially when audibles are called and uh, they're struggling. So I'm going to go to it in my Bible. 1 Corinthians 12, and when they catch up, we'll go, and we'll just go from that version. My Bible is... Uh, We'll start at verse 13, uh, if we can. I'm going to read verse 12 in my Bible, and then we'll go over to verse 13. So we'll, we'll have it all. Verse 12, starting at 12, it says, The body is a unit, though it is made of many parts, and though all its parts are many, uh, they form one body, so it is with Christ. So he's, he's giving us, this is how it works in Christ. So let's read verse 13. What does it say? For in one spirit we were all, what, baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Hmm. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Keep going. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? That would be weird. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Now stop right there. I want you to know, stop coveting other people's gifts. Oftentimes we want to be the people on screen, on Facebook Live, or, or on, on TV, or whatever the case may be, or on the website. But the truth of the matter is, you see the people on the website, and it's flowing good because of all the people that you don't see. If you didn't have nobody back there pushing the buttons, nobody would see anything. Or what if you sat and, sat and stepped in gum when you sat down and went to the bathroom and it looked like it hadn't been clean in 30 years? That would be a problem. Or here's the most important part, some people that you never pay attention to are the prayer warriors. Mm -hmm. 
that are praying. They're not loud. They're just praying wherever they are. But those people are helping the service go forward and God go forward. All of us are important in some way. What, uh, let's go back. They've, they've, they've gone to another scripture. Go back to 12 and 19, please. 1 Corinthians 12 and 19. There we go. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Mm. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. They cannot say to the hand, I have no need. The eye can say to the hand, I have what? No need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable. And, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more perishable, presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving it greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that their members may have the same care, one for what? Another. Verse 26, so if one member suffers, all suffer what? Together. If one member is honored, all rejoice what? Together. Now you are the body of who? Christ and individually members of it. First he started talking about our individual bodies. Now he's talking about our corporate what? Bodies. Because if we belong to Christ, we treat all of his children the what? Same. We treat them all with honor. That's why he's saying there are certain parts of our bodies that we keep covered. They might not be the most honorable. They're not like our face. They're not the ones we display, but we treat them with the most care. Take a knee to the groin and see how important your body is. That's what he's saying. He's just saying it in a different way. <laughs> Stub your toe in the middle of the night and see how important that little pinky toe is. <laughs> <laughs> that although your pinky toe is one of the smallest parts on your body, hit it in the middle of the night trying to get some water and see doesn't your whole body react. It's amazing how you hit your foot way down here and something come out of your tongue. <laughs> Hopefully it's, it's Jesus help me. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? But that's how the body of Christ should be. That when Sister Mary has a stroke, Brother Bob is not going through that by himself. He's going through that with all of us. Brother Bob doesn't have to feel like he's alone. We should all be there right there with him. When Elaine and Kathy are going through because they've lost a loved one, or Sister McLaughlin because they've lost a loved one, they're not by themselves. And it shouldn't just be the pastor going to see about them. It takes all of us to do that. We have abdicated our roles to pastors because we're lazy. We think pastors are the only people supposed to call the sick people and go visit them. When the, when the truth of it is, if you look at Acts, Acts chapter 6, he's not supposed to be doing that at all. Why wait tables when we, can, when, when we can spend the time in the word of God? Go get some people to what? Handle that. That's where deacons come from. That's the purpose of deacons, because the body was getting neglected, and there were widows that were going through stuff. They had lost their husbands. They didn't have provision, and they needed help. And the, and, and the pastors were saying, it's not that they're unimportant. They're very important, but I am going to use my highest and best use. God called me to preach. That's what I'm going to do. You're not preaching. You're just sitting there. Get up and go see about sister so-and-so. She needs some food. 
Go see about this person. They, they need some help. That's, that's how we work in the body. A lot of people get mad when they said the pastor didn't call me this week. Or he, didn't, he, he didn't come to see me this week. They wouldn't even be mad if the rest of the body did their job because they'd be so busy with the other members that they wouldn't even notice that the pastor ooh, hadn't called. It shouldn't just be the pastor saying, I missed you at church this week. It should be members calling up. I got Liz doing that. Liz does a good job of that. She, uh, Liz, every member that comes in here, they talk to Liz, and Liz finds out what's going with them, and they need, need prayer. I have Liz checking up, but, it, but that's good to have somebody assigned to do that, but you shouldn't just have to have somebody assigned to do that. That should be organic in the body of Christ, that when one hurts, we all what? Hurt. When all one needs, we all need. That doesn't mean you have to tell everybody your business. Have your close friends that you talk to with your business in church, but he's talking about unity in the what? Body. So all of the parts are what? Important. The person that's back there running that camera is just as important as the person that's up here talking. Because I can't hit the button and be up here at the same time. I can't change the scriptures. I can't clean the church and do everything. I can't build that uh, sound booth. Uh, well, I can, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to build it by myself. Why? Because we got people here that can do it, and that's their gift. Let them do what they do. And a lot of times as pastors, we hurt members because we get in the way. We want to do everything, and if they don't do it the way we want it, we say, move, let me do it. When we should just say, hey, somebody let me fail so I can learn. Let me move out of the way so they can use their what? Gift. That's why there should be no what we call quote-unquote bench members in the church. Everybody can do something. There is no full retirement age in the kingdom of God. You have to work till you die. There's a song that says, I promised him that I would serve him till I die. I'm on the battlefield for the Lord. Well, I can't serve like I used to. That just means you're in a different season. What are you called to do in this season? You can't run, but you can pray. That's why when we went out and we walked around the neighborhoods praying, the other people, were, they couldn't walk around neighborhoods, but they were praying for us while we went out and prayed. And the person that was praying for us was just as important as the people that were praying for others. We all have to find a way to look. Everybody in this church is equally important. Everybody in this church is equally as valuable, and we should value one another and treat everyone like they're necessary, treat everyone like they matter because they do. Haley, you matter. Liz, you matter. Pastor Ernie, you matter. I'm not, it's too many of y'all. I'm not going to keep calling. Uh, <laughs> all of y'all matter. <laughs> and you're important. It takes all of us to run the church. That's why I get bothered when people try to build the church off of a personality. Encounter Church is not built off Willie Berry. Encounter Church is built off of Jesus Christ. And I'm hoping that I'm building a model that if the Lord takes me home tomorrow or takes me to another state or whatever he takes me, that nothing stops. It just keeps building and keeps going because it's not built on me. The church is the people. Upon this rock I will build my ecclesia, my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Does any of these particular verses help you to understand your own significance? If so, how? And we may stop there for tonight. We're going to have to go into another week, but that's okay. Because um, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, that's... These verses that we just read, there's any particular one. You don't have to pick it out by my memory. 
but what you heard, does it help you understand your own significance? Anybody, can you see your own significance in the body now? Go ahead, Pat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a sense of balance there. You know, Soberness. Uh, we're not, may not be the captain of the ship, but, you know, uh, we're not the stuff they shovel out the side of the ship either. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> Paul would call that dung. <laughs> I, I see your hand, but I'm, I'm going to pick on somebody real quick. Every week, somebody shows up here. Nobody even really notices that he's here. But he's one of the most vital people in the ministry. You know why? Because when people get ready to get on the lift, he's standing by the lift. He speaks to everybody that walks in the door. He doesn't even really talk to people that much. When the service is over and I'm getting ready to stand by the door, he goes and he opens up the door, stands there, and says, have a nice Sunday, or have a good day to every single person that passes by. When I get excited and I'm running from place to place and, no, and none of the camera people can catch up to me, he's sitting back there, I got you, Pastor. <laughs> I got you. He'll tell me you moved a lot today. <laughs> Mark. Amen. And most people don't notice him because he's quiet. But there are many thousands of people who have heard what I have to say and be able to see me. Why? Because he's back there doing this. There are many people who probably walked in and were down today and just heard a simple, how you doing? He's even killed. He ain't going to be too out there. He's like, maybe, Pastor, maybe I should be a little bit, bit, bit more over the top. We tried it. It didn't work. Mark, what you see is what you get. Like, how you doing? That's, that's, that's Mark right there. Hey, how you doing? You having a good day? But that's vital. Because somebody just walked in and said, nobody cares about me. And they felt invisible. And they hear this little soft voice. That ain't soft, it's manly, but it's, it's just steady. Hey, how you doing today? That says you matter. That's important. That's really important. Just as important to the people that I appreciate that are on the stage and the prayer teams and things like that. I picked him because he's often not seen. Or I'll give you one more. I have a daughter. People are always asking me from Mississippi, where's your other daughter? I thought you had three. I only see two on stage. Well, the reason you can see the two on the stage is because she's helping run sound and media in the back. Never visible. And doing it well. Doing it well. <laughs> Never visible, but highly effective. Can sing like an angel, but would not sing in front of people to save her life. If somebody says, sing or your daddy going to drown, I'd just be ready to see Jesus because she's not going to do it. She's not going to do it in front of people. That's not what she does. But what she does is vital and important. And then her sisters go back there and help and enjoy them. They're getting back there. We got plenty of room. We're building the media team now. Everybody want to be back there now. I want to be back there, too. I've claimed my spot over there in the corner already. It's, it's, it's really nice. But everybody matters. Everybody is important. Go ahead, Liz. As we get ready to close. I was just going to answer the question, too. I from that verse for 1 Corinthians, 
I like um, 12, 25 through 26. Mm. Um, because it says, I pulled it up on my phone, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I found in common day that a lot of people have a really hard time seeing outside of themselves. Yeah. That's why it's hard for people to notice people who might be more behind the scenes people. You know, like you were saying, like they might notice that, you know, I'm singing on the stage or you get up and talk or Haley plays the drums, but they're not thinking about how Lamarck opened the door for everybody or how mm. Leah's doing the sound booth. Mm-hmm. Because they're more quiet, they're more subtle. It doesn't mean they're less pivotal, it just means that they're more laid back in the way that they help. Mm-hmm. But people are so into themselves that they don't see the greater picture of things. I had seen uh, Victor on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I told Victor, I said, because honestly, I had to think about him that morning. And I was like, it's been a minute since I've seen Victor in church. He's like, I see on some of the shirts on Sunday. I'm going to message him. And he's like, where you at? Mm-hmm. Like, What's going on? He was here. But I did tell him that. I said, I was thinking about you. Like, I haven't seen you in a minute. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, that means a lot to me that you noticed that I wasn't here. I said, I'm noticing a lot of people aren't here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just because you're quieter or you think your position isn't as important because maybe all you do is show up and praise the Lord with everybody else. But that's still a big deal. Yeah. And people see you when you walk in the door every week. They're going to notice when you're not there. Mm-hmm. You are just as important. And everybody's not to the same place in God. How many people who weren't as mature in God were sensitive? And although they were wrong for saying it, they left the church because they were gone a couple Sundays and nobody said anything to them. Now, it's that juvenile. That's a juvenile thing to do. But it could have been avoided if we just looked outside ourselves in churches across America and said, hey, I missed you. Where were you? See how simple that is? I think it is so interesting to just stop coming to church with that. But on the same, but on the other side of the coin, though, I can kind of see it because everybody wants to feel loved. Important, and they want to feel loved. They want to feel loved. They want to feel needed. And maybe you're the only interaction that they have. Mm-hmm. Some people don't have families. Mm-mm. They're just sitting at home by themselves, and their church really is their, their family. family. That's all they and have. Suck if you weren't at Christmas one year and family didn't even contact you or see why you weren't there, they would just went about their business, celebration, big dinner. Nobody called Blake to see why she wasn't there mm-hmm. or why she didn't say she wasn't going to be there. They just went about their business. That would hurt. That's true. And there are people in our church, younger and older, that don't have family or are estranged from their family. And if somebody from the church doesn't call to say Merry Christmas, nobody calls to say Merry Christmas. If nobody from the church invites them to Thanksgiving, they don't get invited. It's important for us to think outside of ourselves and to consider everybody. The Bible says that we should esteem others higher than ourselves, but this, this is the culprit. It helps amplify that selfishness is in it. We're the first generation to create a word called the selfie. I think it, you know, we do it. Every now and then, me and Robin went someplace. I said, hey, we'll take a picture. My wife hates taking pictures. And I got her to take a picture. We went to a Lions game or whatnot. And I got her to take a picture. She said, one picture, and that's it. <laughs> and, I, and I got one picture, and I had to make sure it was right, because she wasn't going to take number two. She wasn't going to do it. But how often is it? I thought it was weird that we would go out and we see people and instead of enjoying themselves, they're doing this. Or they'll stop the whole thing and just, 
because I got to let somebody else know what's going on in my life because I'm the most important thing. We're self-absorbed. And Christ never called us to be self-absorbed. Don't think less of yourself like Brother Day said. But don't think more of yourself. When you're always inside of yourself, you'll let other people pass you by. Has this helped anybody tonight? Good, good, good. Hey, man, I'm, I'm so glad. That's, thank you for the, for the clap. It's been over a year since I've sat in this seat because we have capable people doing it. And uh, I had to admit I missed it a little bit. Might be a little rusty, but <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed it. And um, I guess since we didn't finish, um, who's ever doing 23, if you'll allow us to finish this up next week. You guys want to finish this up next week or want to go to 24? Oh, you want to finish it up? Okay. So we'll finish this up next week. We're on page 188. Uh, only a few questions left, but we're going to dig down in those because now comes the important thing. If we know everybody's important, that means that there's no room for somebody just to sit down because that means there's something that I'm here that I'm assigned to do. What do I need to be doing? to make my local church body better and to make my church family at large and the kingdom of God better. Uh, very good. Uh, I'm cognizant of time. We're stopping on time. I can't fuss at them if I don't stop, so I'm stopping. Uh, and we're, we're going to pray. Thank you guys uh, for all that you do. You've made this a really interesting class. I hope something that's been said has been impactful. Your responses have really blessed me today, uh, and I've been blessed by it. If somebody's in pain and going through, Right now, I'm, I'm declaring healing over your body right now in the name of Jesus. Um, praying for God's healing virtues to flow. If there's somebody online uh, that's having a struggle right now, I'm praying for them right now. Chrissy, I'm praying for you right now. You can do it in the name of Jesus. Only you know what that means, and only you need to know what that means, but I'm praying for you. Um, Sister McLaughlin, I know you can't see the stream, but I'm, I'm praying for you right now for your strength. And for you to feel feel peace that when you wake up in the morning, you'll know that your name's been mentioned and that you're loved. Um, Kathy and Elaine, we're, we're praying for you right now. And, and Sue and Norty and Dara, all those people who may, people may not notice but are highly effective in our ministry and they're important. We're praying for you. Um, you matter. God, thank you for giving us this lesson um, that is helping uh, in a practical way to help us all to grow and look outside of ourselves and inside of ourselves. Uh, to look outside of ourselves, to appreciate and help other people who are your creation, but to look inside of ourselves, to, to take a good, hard, honest look at ourselves and, and line ourselves up, uh, up uh, with you, God, that we present our bodies and our lives a living sacrifice. Thank you uh, for this ministry that you've allowed us to have to be fed the word of God. Keep us as we leave this place in your care. Keep us safe from all hurt, harm, and danger. We we pray for uh, those people uh, back home uh, in Harvard Chapel and Glustad who are dealing with tragedy right now. Uh, God, I pray right now that you cover them in the midst of sorrow and all those involved. We give you praise and we give you thanks. In the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. I declare that you are blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come. And when you go in that wherever the sole of your foot shall try, shall be blessed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we 